0: Praise the Lord, everyone. How many thank the Lord for the sweet hour of prayer? And I believe what an appropriate song, Sean, to sing that as the pastor makes his little pitch for this coming Saturday night. Not this Saturday night, but next Saturday night. At 10 o'clock, the Lord has moved the heart of the pastor to Called an all night prayer service, would you say amen? amen? That we might receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God does not come through preaching. It is inspired through preaching, but the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit comes when God's people tarry with him in prayer. And so we thank God for the opportunity. It will be packed in the house. We are expecting many who are desperate for God to be here. If you ain't desperate, (laughs) and that's not to make anybody feel bad, everybody is not desperate. For those of you who are hungry for God to move, we invite you to come. I do want to say that for those of you who are not able to stay and listen, we it, this ain't no competition. I'm gonna say Amen. You know, like who can who can stay up the longest? You know, <laughs> most of the time the disciples lose on that one. This is not to see at the end of it who can say I was at the all night prayers, or who was. This is for people who are hungry for a move of God. And we are praying for two things, for spiritual healing in relationships and for clarity of purpose. That's it. And each hour, we will break. And if you feel the need to leave at that hour, you're more than welcome to, but we will not hold you here all night. Get the picture out of your mind that one person, two, three folk are going to be praying uh, ad nauseum continually. It will be an all-night prayer service like you have never experienced in your life. And the power of God will be present here. Would you say amen? Those that are in need of being anointed, we will have an anointing service. There will be a praise service. There will be opportunities to testify. There will be opportunities to repent. I just lost about 10 people right there. But I believe... And taking seriously opportunities to seek the Lord in prayer. Anybody agree with the pastor today? We're not really a spiritual people. We're religious. We're not very spiritual. We know how to do church but there are very few of us who can even say that they have led anybody to church. Is there anybody here that is sick and tired of doing church and really wants to experience all the stuff that the Bible says we're supposed to experience in these last days? I'm gonna preach about this today by the grace of God title of my message today is The Experiment. The Experiment. Let's make the devil mad real quick. Somebody shout out hallelujah. Yes. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Matthew. Praise your name, Father. A whole lot of church folk going to hell. That's why I'm preaching this today. Today, somebody is on their way to hell, and you're going to make a U-turn. It's going to happen today. And you don't have to kill nobody to go to hell. (laughs) Matthew 28. And I want to, I don't know if by now you should have a handout. How many of you have a handout? Wonderful. How many in need of a handout? If you're in need of a handout, just uh, put your hand in the air right now as the ushers come. Uh, Michelle, just begin to play anointing fall on me uh, as we get ready to go to the word of God. Just raise your hand if you need a handout today. I don't have time today to tell you all that I want to tell you, so you need something in your hand. rise to our feet for the word of God today. Anointing. Anointing. Again, at verse 18, the Bible says, 17 rather, verse 17, the Bible says, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. That's what happens when you see Jesus. But some doubted. And Jesus, help me, Lord, today, and Jesus came and spake unto them, I need your help, Father, saying, all woe. All power. How many did I say, everybody? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Wow. Now, because he made that statement, now he can make this statement. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. But you got to see this in the Greek. The Greek says, make disciples. Lord, help us to see that we're making disciples. Teach on baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Church, say Amen. Now, as my slide master goes to the next slide, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. What book did I say, everybody? Acts, the second chapter. And uh, let's look at... uh, Verse number 1 and 2. And you can, you, can, you can just kill the screen. You can kill the screen. The Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Now turn to Acts 17. Acts 17 and verse 6. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. The Bible says, And when they found them not, speaking of the apostles, and when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying that these that have turned watch this these that have turned the world upside down end of text father in heaven bless us today amen sit down let's get to the word today all right i have found something very interesting that i want to share with you today from the word of god Uh, the experiment jesus christ before Pentecost when did I say it before? before if you were to look at the ministry of Jesus Christ before Pentecost and for those of you who are unfamiliar with that terminology Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit fell down on the disciples and they became the apostles but if, if there were no Pentecost then the experiment of Jesus Christ to take 12 rascals to take 12 nincompoots To take, as my brother said earlier, 12 babbling fools. To take 12 fighting, fussing, cussing, 12 fools. 12. Uh, if, If there were no Pentecost, then this experiment to take 12 fools would have been a colossal failure. You're not listening to me today. I'm talking about you today. I want 12 people. One. Stand up. Come on. One. Two. Let's go. Three. Four. Come on. Twelve. Just give me twelve. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Come on. Eight. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Eleven. Twelve. Stand up. Come to the front. Quickly. Don't have all day. Let's go. Jesus said, and I'm not wishing to insult these folk today. I'm not going to insult them. But Jesus took twelve folk 12. Is this 12? Somebody count them. Is it 12? Is it 11? Judas is already gone, is he? Is it 12? Count them. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Jesus taking these 12 disciples is the equivalent of me telling these 12 people I want you to cause world peace. I'll bring it down some. I want all twelve of you to revitalize Cleveland. Not a broken down buildings. People are leaving and they're going down south. I want all twelve of you to revitalize it. How many think they can do it? Put your hand in the air. All right, let's. let's, Got a better. I want all twelve of you to change Glenville. Who says they can do it? I want all 12 of you to change yourselves. Who says they can do it? Got a couple of hands. Sit down. Sit down. All 12 of you. Jesus telling 12 illiterate disciples is the equivalent of me asking these 12 people to do what I asked them to do. Most of you see it as impossible. The Pharisees were insulted that Jesus would bypass them and find 12 fishermen, some fishermen, some tax collectors, some fanatics, some doubting fools. He call, and, and notice what he said here in the text. He says, now that I've called you, he said, I want you to go out and change the world. Did he say it? Talk to me today. Did he not ask them to change the world? As a matter of fact, he said, go ye therefore and make disciples. And he said, baptize them in the name of the Father. And The the Bible tells us, he said, I want you to start first where you live. He said, and then go to the whole world. I want to tell you something. Jesus' mission up to this point was a colossal failure. He didn't pick the in crowd. He didn't pick the folk with the power. He didn't pick church board members. He didn't pick folk who have big families. He didn't pick folk who have a certain socioeconomic status. Jesus went and found the trash heap of Jerusalem and looked them in the eye. I mean, it's got to be anybody except Jesus would look like a fool by saying this. He looks at them and says, change the world. And up to the point when Jesus Christ died on the cross, it was a monumental failure. The word of God says that they spent three years with Jesus. Help me, Lord, today. Uh, let's, let's, let's call that discipleship class 400. What are we calling it, everybody? Yeah, it's a 400 level class. This is doctoral stuff. Uh, uh, for all my teachers out there, they, they had the best. Opportunity at learning because the student to teacher ratio was one to 12. And any teacher will tell you that learning can take place better when your ratio is lower. If you got one teacher to 50 students, not much learning is going to take place there. But the smaller the group is, the more impact can happen. Another reason why this thing should have, should have just turned out phenomenal is because Jesus didn't just teach them from books, but Jesus demonstrated as a teacher exactly what he wanted them to do. So he tells them, I want you to cast, I want you to cast out devils. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to raise the dead. I want you to preach the gospel. And Jesus just ain't telling them what he wants them to do. They are literally watching Jesus do it. Now, some of us get real high and mighty and we say stuff like "Now, If I was one of the disciples, if, I mean, if I slept and ate and drank and hung out with Jesus, I mean, these cats walked on water. These folk actually healed and delivered folk. Now, here's what I'm trying to tell you. All of this stuff happened when Jesus was living. It all happened while they were unconverted. Now, one of the 12 disciples was saved. They were preaching, casting out devils, baptizing, and ne'er one of them, that's southern, so yeah, y'all forget me, ne'er one of them was saved. Now we have to take a moment and thank God, because I know what it feels like when I'm not at my best spiritually for God to use me in spite of myself. Come on in here somebody. God does not base his using us based on how faithful we are to him, sometimes God will use you in spite of yourself, in spite of your walk with him, in spite of your connection with him, in spite of your relationship with him. See, God is so desperate to make sure that his mission comes to pass that he's even willing to use donkeys. And I ain't talking about animals. Come on in here, somebody. God will use us. And our gifts don't belong to us. Our gifts don't belong to anybody else. God gave them because God says, I see something in that little old black boy with his old sorry self that I feel like I can use. And even when he's not right, even when he is not walking correctly, even though he is not serving me as he should, I'm going to bless him in spite of himself because my mission is more important than him. So, so, so watch now. Jesus walks up to these dudes and notice now how Jesus does ministry. When Jesus called the disciples, Jesus literally walked up to dudes that he had never met from Adam, looked dudes in the face and said, follow me. We don't do church like that. We don't do church that way. Ah, like his suit. He looks like he can give us good money. Come on and follow me. Come on. Come on follow me. Hey, look. This is the guy we want. I'm going somewhere with this. For those of y'all who were here last week, you know where I'm going. See, we want this guy. Square glasses, nice haircut, tailored suit, sharp tie, sharp... We're not just going to walk up to dudes in, in Glenville hood and just say to them, follow me. We got to know whether, you know, are they shacking up with somebody? Uh, uh, do they use drugs? Uh, do we need to make sure we're safe around them? You know, I don't know what has happened to us as a people. Like y'all didn't come from them places. Some of y'all scared to go back to your own homes. Now explain that to me. Oh, we in a da- I ain't in no dangerous neighborhood. I'm in a neighborhood where people need Jesus. I'm not saying we shouldn't be wise, but see, this is the guy, based on our perception, this is the guy we want. We want this guy. But see, what you don't know about this guy is that this guy ain't always been this guy. You see, for 30 years, he used drugs. For 30 years, he was strung out on PCP. For 30 years, he was strung out on crack, cocaine. For 30 years, he neglected his family. For 30 years, are you hearing me here today? But see, what God specializes in, he specializes in taking people from where they are and taking them to where they need to be. And so if we're going to do ministry the way Jesus does ministry, we can't see this guy. We got to see the other guy. Sit down. So notice now, he walks up to folk. Come follow me. Now, what happens? All this time with Jesus, sitting face to face, and they didn't get it. But look at, let me show you how I know they didn't get it. Turn to Luke, the 22nd chapter. What book did I say, everybody? Luke 22 and 24. This is why I know, Elder Tate, why people can be in church and not get it. It's possible to be in church and not be saved. No, please, don't take that as just preacher talk. Hear me. I, for, for you, before you go to the text, look at me. Just because I stand in a garage, it doesn't make me a car. Just because you come in here, Doesn't make you a Christian. You can be religious. You can know scripture. But the devil knows scripture. These brought... You follow them. They saw all this stuff. But they were not converted. Look at Luke 22. The Bible says in verse 24. Now here Jesus is. About to tell... Telling them he's about to die. The very reason why he came. He's about to do what, everybody? He's about to die for their sins. And he's been trying to tell them this for three years. And guess what? Peter, Peter was like, on one occasion, he was like, oh, pfft, I rebuke you, Jesus. You ain't dying. And the Lord said, no, I rebuke you, Satan. I mean, it's so possible to be around Jesus, but Jesus not really be in you. No. See, we're around church. They were around Jesus. And they didn't get it. There were occasions when Samaritans rejected Jesus when he wanted to go into town with them. The references are right there on your document. And you know what the disciples said? They said, Jesus, these are Samaritans. These are half-breeds. Call down fire from heaven. Consume them. Away with them. Jesus, you're too big for them. Come on now. We ain't fooling with those folk over there. Call down fire from heaven. And Jesus said to them, he said, I, I rebuke you. You don't know what spirit you're of. I remember there was a woman, and, and she had a daughter who was demon-possessed. And she came to Jesus. And remember, she said, I'll even take the crumbs off the table, master. She was like, just hook a brother, just hook a sister up, take care of my situation. And, and the whole while, Jesus ignored him. And the disciples were like, and remember what the disciples said? The disciples were like, Jesus. But would you tell this woman to go somewhere? Now, it wasn't five minutes, not being facetious, that they were just called off the seat. You see how quickly when you join the organization and become a part of the church that you forget where you came from? Listen, I don't care what kind of car you drive. I don't care what kind of letters you got behind your name. I don't care what you've done for the church or what you have, what you've done for the conference, the general conference. At the end of the day, you still got blood in your veins. You still get gas. You still get snot in your nose. Come on in here, somebody. You're still a human being and you still sin and you still have a bad attitude. Don't you forget what God brought you. And so watch this here. These jokers didn't get it. Watch this now. The Bible says, verse 24, and there was, now Jesus is trying to have communion with them. The first one. And look at this. And there was also strife among them. At the communion table. Come on, talk to me, y'all. Are y'all seeing this thing? Am I wasting your time? If I'm wasting your time, just let me know. Am I wasting your time? I'm going somewhere today. I promise you I am. Richard, look at here, man. Look at my Bible. Just so they know I ain't lying. The Bible says, and there was also strife Among them. Now, that's one thing to have strife. Now, look at what they had strife about. (laughs) Oh, Lord, have mercy. The Bible says, and there was also strife among them as to which of them should be accounted the greatest. Oh, Lord, I I thought I would got a better reaction than that. These jokers are fighting in the presence of the greatest to try to figure out who the greatest is. Now, come on, explain that to me. Isn't that what we do? Everybody's jostling for position in the church. Jostling for recognition. Jostling for parking spaces. Jostling for a room. Jostling for... Uh, come on in here. you oh, Okay everybody can't nobody you know I mean, and we're so sensitive about our thing and and what we're doing and you know I'm the pastor now and so and so pastor what can I can I do that I'm the pastor shut your mouth Edmonds at the end of the day we're going to recognize that we are not the greatest we're standing in the presence of the greatest what an insult but what does Jesus do Come on in here, somebody. And we don't want to humble ourselves. Turn to Philippians 2. And look what the Lord says here. Philippians 2. I'm talking about an experiment. What am I talking about, everybody? Jesus is experimenting. He's saying, I'm going to pour all my love into them, and I'm going to see what happens. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Philippians 2. If you're there, would you say amen? (laughs) the Bible says in verse 3 let nothing be done through strife or vainglory amen let all the men say amen Amen. one more time brethren let all the men who struggle with ego like the pastor say amen Amen. all the men that want to throw their weight around around their wives say amen Amen. all the men that want to wear the pants say amen all the men that want to have the last word in their home say amen. Yeah. I heard one brother say that the last word in my house is yes, dear. Come on, say amen. Yeah. Yes, dear. Amen. Yeah. Look at the text. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowly, read everybody. But in lowliness of mind, watch this now. Watch. See, this is the lesson the disciples didn't get. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better whoa! Y'all, y'all, y'all didn't get that. Do you realize that church folk are supposed to treat other church folk better? Better. 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 Better! better. Y'all know what that word means, right? Then Themselves. Can I continue to read? Um, Let not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now watch this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But, Lord have mercy. Talking about God right now. But made himself, I'm talking about the man who's always going where he's coming from to get to where he is, to find out he's already there. I'm talking about omniscience. I'm talking about omnipotence. I'm talking about omnipresence. I'm talking about a God that looks at chaos and says, let there be, and stuff happens, this God. Bible says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Not a good reputation, not a bad reputation, no reputation. Uh, and, then, and then notice, notice this now, let me, let me jump here. The Bible says, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he... And they're in the presence of God, go back to Luke 22, fighting over who is the greatest. Now, watch this. I told you earlier that this experiment looks like it's going bad. Because Jesus now bypasses all the preachers, bypasses all the super spiritual people, bypasses all the folk that wear three piece suits bypasses all the saints that wear hats bypasses all the folk that wear brooches bypasses all the folk that carry their bible a certain way bypasses all the folk who got the the sabbath school lesson in the leather binder bypasses all those folk who are vegetarian he bypasses all and goes against meat eating cussing Lord have mercy Y'all not talking back to me. Cussing. Lying. Fearful. Folk who he knew would be in his presence and fight who was the greatest. Now, now you tell me you would have called them jokers. Now, watch this. The Bible goes on to say. Look down there, verse 31. They were not converted. The Bible says the Lord said uh, Simon Simon. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that thy faith fail not. Now, notice this. He says, and when thou art converted, strengthen what? The devil's going to sift you? Brethren, I know that. When I called all 12 of you, I knew he'd sift you. I knew for the past three years that you would not be converted. I knew that I'd be working with unconverted folk. I knew I'd be working with folk who are full of the devil. By the way, let me just throw this out here. Jesus knows how to work with people who don't necessarily agree with him. Amazing. Wow. They just didn't agree with him. They were full of the devil. For three and a half years. And the Lord says in this text, he said, you're not converted, but when you are, strengthen the brethren. He's acknowledging that the people he called ain't got it. Now, he does not abandon the plan. He does not abort the mission. And it gets worse after this. Because the Bible says that when Jesus needed them the most... They fell asleep in prayer. And then as they took my Savior up golfer's streets and marched him up to that cross, where they mocked him and spat upon him. Oh, where where are the folk that he healed? Where are the folk that he cast devils at? Where are they now? Nobody came to his aid. They mocked him and spat on him and beat him all night long. And the Bible says that the disciples were scattered like sheep. They didn't get it. But notice what the Lord gives us hope here. He said, when thou art converted.
1: Hallelujah! Did you see that?
0: Oh, y'all not feeling me. He ain't gave up on us, Carl, because he believes we're going to make it. Now, if I'm honest with myself, I don't believe I'm going to make it sometimes. If I look at the day I had two days ago, I don't, I'm not convinced about this thing all the time. Some of y'all think y'all, y'all know y'all going to be saved. That's why some of you the law, are going to law, you're gonna be lost because you're too into your righteousness. But I, I'm clear that every day I ain't always into Jesus. And I'm I not always doing the right thing. And I don't always say the right thing. But what he says is, is when he says, listen, the reason I called you because I knew what you'd go through. And I'm telling you right now that you will be converted. Hallelujah. Are y'all hearing me in here? See, Jesus sees more in us than we see in ourselves. Now, now, let me, let me go on. find Okay, let's go on to the end. There are a couple of things, points I want to make and I want to tell you my conclusion. Point number one, pain can poison our perspective. Are you hearing me in here? Now, if we were to look at the brain as if it were a wired computer, we would see that everything happens on a very small but powerful scale. If we could replicate the human brain in the form of a computer, it would take the capacity of 750 billion mainframes linked together. Your brain, stay with me now, pain can poison your perception. In other words, housing a computer of this size, talking about your brain, would take a building a hundred stories tall and the size of Texas. This powerful machine that you have in your head is only three pounds. The brain is constructed of billions of neurons and synapses. Each neuron is a thinking pathway and its connections are bathed in chemicals. As we, Now here it is. As we mature and this wiring develops, talking about our brain, the chemicals surrounding each neuron act as insulation. Somebody say insulation. To protect our thinking. When we make a conscious Choice, somebody say choice, Choice. to change new wiring required and automatically developed by the persistence of the choice we make. Now, what did I say? God has designed us in such a way that when we decide that we will no longer allow what has happened to us in life, To poison how we see things when we make the choice. Then God has designed our brains in such a way where electrical currents and chemicals will kick in place to insulate your decision from going back. What am I saying? Make up your mind that you ain't going to be negative. Make up your mind that you're not going to be mean. Make up your mind that you're not going to be a defeated person. Make up your mind that you're going to be victorious. Make up your mind that you shall have victory. Make up your mind that you can overcome sin. Make up your mind that you can get set free from generational cycles. And you got to make up your mind. And when you make up your mind, the Holy Ghost will come in. And he will affirm your decision. He'll look down and say, Yep, I agree with Edmonds. So now I'm going to join in with Edmonds and help him. The disciples allow their experience to poison their perspective. Number two Are you with me in here today? The disciples wanted product. Without process. (laughs) They wanted all the trappings of what it meant to be connected with Jesus, like the power, but they didn't want character. They wanted Pentecost, but they didn't want Calvary. Now, let me just say this to you. I don't have a nice way to say it. In order for you to appreciate heaven, you got to experience hell down here. In order for you to learn how to treat people, you, you will have had to experience how not to be treated. This is why I don't gay bash anymore. This is why I'm not racist anymore. Because when I found out, I had a very close friend that was gay. Oh, y'all not hearing me in here today. I could no longer call them "batty man. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all the camera you know what I'm talking about. I could no longer dog them and call them faggot. See, things change when it hits your street. Now listen here. We're not condoning sin, are we? Because the Bible says that that same Jesus attracted sinners. It says that the people that were drawn to him were publicans, tax collectors, prostitutes. Come on in here. Are you hearing me in here today? If Jesus is in you, then sinners will be attracted to what you have. John 13, 34 and 35. It's on your document. By this will all men know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another, see product without process. See, you want to be you. You want to be a disciple, but you don't want to have self-sacrificing love. You don't want to love everybody. You want to love who you choose. Okay, I like Bailey. I like Bailey because me and Bailey like sports, and I agree with what Bailey's doing. And I like Bailey. I, you know, and you know, Jesus says with that, He says that stuff can go to hell. That spirit can go to hell. That is the spirit of Satan. It is the spirit of the adversary. And and notice now, he said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples, John 13, 34, and 35, if you have love for one another. So watch this. People can determine whether we are God's people or not, not based upon whether we keep Sabbath, not based upon whether we have great services, not based upon whether we have good schools, not based upon if we have great hospitals, not based upon whether we eat right. Now, are you hearing me in here today? And let it be clear, your pastor believes in eating right. Come on in here, somebody come and look in my refrigerator. and I had Tofutti last night. I said, I don't want no sour cream tonight. Me and my wife trying to do this thing. Come on in here. So just know this ain't a preacher trying to just talk about lowering the standards. What I'm saying is you need to lower your nasty attitude towards people. It's not about our Sabbath. It's not about our great controversy. Your Jesus said that people can Whether you are my disciples or not, based on whether you have love, but we want to be this and we're not willing to do this. You got to get down, and that's what's missing from this church. I'm I'm here now. That's what's missing. The message nothing wrong with it. When you die, you're dead. Jesus is in the sanctuary. The seventh day is the Sabbath. Jesus is coming soon. Come on in here, somebody. I believe in this thing. But the problem with you, nitwitch, is that you boast about your truth and you got no love. I said it. I said it. I said it. I've been waiting to say it, but I said it. Let me tell you something in here. It was because of His grace that you're here. It was because of His love that you're here. Not because you're good at study, not because you know how to memorize scriptures, but you're here today because He looked beyond your faults. Ain't hey, baptizing all them folk over there? But uh, they, how many? About a hundred already. But where are they? You tell me where they are. Where Where, where, where are all the souls? You tell me where they are. Where are they? They've been sitting next to you. I sit up here. They park next to you. I park over here. If you were full of Jesus... And they would not be lining up at the end of service just to talk to me. They'd be lining up at your pew. Tell me I'm not telling the truth in here. Don't get mad. Get saved. Don't get offended. Give your heart to Jesus. Come on in here. We want to be the remnant. Now, I'm gonna correct you on this. The remnant is our message. We don't know who the remnant is yet. The word for remnant means those remaining. Ain't nobody remaining yet. Our message is remnant. This movement is remnant. But you don't know if you're remnant yet. Wondering around here, are we in a remnant church? <laughs> if you don't have no love. You want the product, you want to be the big dog, but you're not willing to get low. Number three. No, those two points are fine. Those, are two, those, are two, those two are fine. Let me show you this statement here, and then I'm going to tell you how, why Jesus' thing was successful. Uh, let me see here. Oh, yes. <clears throat> now what changed these disciples is what happened in Acts, the second chapter. You see, Jesus needed them to fail. The best thing that could ever happen in your spiritual life is when you fall on your face. My greatest spiritual moment was when I got baptized. Well, when God looked at my soul and said, confess your fornicating sins. Oh, amen. We really want to look special, don't we? And see, that's the enemy. See, because many of us have been beat up so, so much in life, been told that we're nothing and have experienced so much, see, pain poisons our perspective. And the reverse ends up happening to us. The best thing that can ever happen to you is when you fall on your face. I thought I had a statement here, uh, but it may be on yours. Let me see yours. Let me see Let me see your document. Let me see if it's here. I got to read this. Oh, let me see. Turn, now, you got to see this here before I, before I make my conclusion. Let me see if I got this thing here. Uh-huh. Oh, yes, here it is. Uh, Ellen White, Review and Herald, December 16, 1902. The article is entitled, The Danger of Self-Sufficiency. Listen to what she says. There are some lessons that are never learned Only through failure. you missed that. Sometimes God sets you up to fail. He said, I'm going to put them in this situation, and I know they're going to bust their head, but that's the only way I'm going to be able to get through to them. Any witnesses in here who know I'm telling the truth? Peter had to fail. If he didn't fall on his face 50 days later, he wouldn't be the guy that stands up before all nations, opens up his mouth, preaches the word of God under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, And 3,000 people give their lives on that. And see, see, listen, and this is where God is trying to take you. There is a purpose that God has for your life. There is a moment, a destiny in time where he's going to use you. And he has to allow stuff to happen in your life. Crucifixion. He's got to allow failure. He's got to allow mistakes. He's got to sometimes put you flat on your face. So that by time you get to where he wants you, you're ready. And let's be honest, we're not ready yet. If God really were to put you in the place of your divine purpose and destiny, you, come on now. (laughs) It's almost like the statement in steps to Christ where she says, your girl, she says, if God were to allow, and I'll give you the reference on Wednesday, if God were to allow some of us to go to heaven, we would beg him, Gabriel, to let us out. (laughs) We'd be up in there like, whoa. Man, everybody loving over everybody. Everybody loving. Ain't no clicks up here. Ain't nobody gossiping. Can you imagine sitting down at the table milking and honey and everybody just enjoying themselves? And you lean over to one of the angels and say, "Hey, I heard that angel talking about you the other day." That don't even sound right, does it? That don't even sound right. Going to be and you in line waiting to get your milk and honey and you cut in line. That don't even look right, man. That don't even sound right. Tell me, I'm leading the choir today. That don't even sound right. It don't even sound. And so your girl says that if you got there, you'd be like, whoa, I ain't ready for this. Let me out. What changed them? Now watch this. Final point. God was able to do in 10 days. Stay right here. Don't miss this. God was able to do in 10 days with the disciples what Jesus could not do in three and a half years. Three and a half years Jesus is with them, Fowler. No change. But the Holy Ghost was destined to put change in their life. And for three and a half years, nothing happened. But when they went up in the upper room, and they, see, you got to have crucifixion before there's Pentecost. On, On this Saturday night coming up, We're going to have crucifixion before. See, God God has revealed to me that the vision that he has laid on this church, we're not ready for. If we got there, we wouldn't want it. Can you see Asians, Caucasians, yeah, 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 come push me, push me, push me. Whoever's saying, come on, keep pushing me. Huh? Latinos? Huh? Yeah. Well, you want them, but y'all don't want each other. You a lie. <laughs> you, like my mama would say to me, you a lie. Not you're lying, you are a lie. My mom, my mom would, you know, when you lie, lying, she would say, you a lie. You know, like, you're so bad, you just, you're not lying, you just a lie, you know. Are you hearing me in here? We won't be ready for that until we get ready. And listen, don't, don't get me wrong. God don't need everybody in here to have revival. Your girl says, she says, listen, if you are hoping that the whole church will be revived, she says, you are expecting futility. It won't happen. But if we can get 12 folk. If 12 folk get something in them, then it's possible that the world will change. Because after the Holy Spirit fell on, if they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, they, they, 12 men, changed the world in 20 years. And Jesus said, I'm done, greater things. You got to get to a place where your job is not more important than your purpose. You got to get to a place where you don't allow your thoughts and your experiences to shape where you're going. Can you imagine if you only let what you've been through, where you've been, motivate where God wants you to go? You'll never get there. You'll never get there. God changed them in 10 days because they put away sin, and they were in one accord. You know what one accord means? It doesn't mean everybody agrees that we should have drums. It doesn't mean that everybody agrees we should have a bass. It doesn't mean that everybody agrees that we should only sing hymns. One accord does not mean uniformity. One accord means unity. The uniformity means we all wear the same uniform, but we come from different places. See, unity means we all have a common mission. And the question is, is this church, do we have a common mission? What are we here for? What I can confidently tell you is that the great majority of us are not here to change every living thing in Cleveland to a Christian. If it were, it happened. Because when God gets in a life that's committed to what he wants, things happen. And they don't happen trickle by trickle. The Lord showed me a day where will not, they, we're going to have to reproduce two and three more churches. We ain't about to swell. We're going to grow. It's the difference between swelling and growing. And we ain't doing nothing right now. Little 100 here, little 20, 30 here. That ain't nothing. Well, I'm not trying to disrespect it, but it ain't what... It, it, it's, God wants more. Yeah. Anointing fall on me. There's a book out right now. It's called Outliers. Written by Malcolm Gladwell. Awesome book. Listen to this. His theory is that there's no such thing as exceptional people. His research has come to find that that there are really no geniuses. That people are not just naturally smarter than other people. But actually, people's environment, their situation, for example. Why does it seem that Asians are better than everybody else in math? Why does it seem like Canadians are better than everybody else in hockey? Is it because people are just naturally better? His argument is that what makes people exceptional is exceptional opportunity. One of the rules that he has in his book is he says that if you want to master anything, you have to have you must you must have 10,000 hours of time to that particular thing. 10,000 hours. Now, I researched this. I said, let me put this to the test. Read the book, all kinds of examples. But I said, I wonder, does this operate the same in the spiritual realm? In other words, if I read the Bible for 10,000 hours, will that make me more spiritual than somebody else? Check this out. Mind-blowing. The disciples were with Jesus for three and a half years. Three and a half years of going to church. Three and a half years of listening to Sabbath school lessons three and a half years of listening to the sermon, three and a half years of going to camp meeting, three and a half years of going to officers meeting, three and a half years of prayer meetings, three and a half years of all-night prayer meeting, three and a half years of miracles, three and a half years of healings, three and a half years of baptisms, and you know what? I said, let me do the math. You know how many hours three and a half years makes? Ten thousand hours. And I said, after three and a half years... They didn't master Jesus, did they? It was a failure. That's because exceptional exceptional people do not translate in the spiritual realm. What makes a person spiritual doesn't need 10,000 hours. What makes a person spiritual doesn't need a person to be in a church for 40 years. What makes a person spiritual has nothing to do with how much money you give. What makes a person spiritual has nothing to do with what your title is. What makes a person spiritual can actually happen in 10 days. Because in 10 days, it took them to get the Holy Ghost. So so the Holy Ghost can do in your life right now what, what 40 years and 35 years could not do. What I'm telling you is, right now, somebody is going to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, amazingly, when you say this kind of stuff in our churches, they get afraid. First thing comes to their mind is fanaticism. And you know who's responsible for that? The devil. And that's why the great majority of our people have not received the Holy Spirit. We have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Ellen White says, before the latter rain is poured out, that we must receive the early rain of repentance. Many of us are not ready to receive Pentecost the second time because we have not embraced the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. You ought to have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness. Come on and talk to me in here. And God can do that in you. He doesn't need all year to do that. He don't have to do that over thousands of hours. God says if you invite the Spirit in your life, then God can do right now in an instant what you've been working your whole life for. Hallelujah! How does one obtain the Holy Spirit? Luke, the 11th chapter says, Ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find knock and the door will be open unto you. If you agree with what the man of God has said today, I want you to stand to your feet. My next appeal. You want to be committed to living a spirit-led life. You want to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, you've been through too much for so long (laughs) that another sermon ain't going to do it for you. What you really need is the Holy Ghost. And all you got to do is ask for that. They prayed for it, they got it, and God changed their lives. God bless you. Anybody else want it today? Anybody else want Him in your life? Anybody want the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life? I'm amazed today. We're moving a little too slow on this one here. If you want the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life today, if you can't make it down here, put your hand in the air. But if you want the outpouring of His Spirit in your life, come on down here right now. The
1: Holy Ghost, fall on me.
0: Anointing, fall on me. I'll begin to sing this to the Lord. This is your prayer today Anointing, fall on me.
1: Anointing, fall.
0: Yes, No. When the Spirit comes in, he'll, he'll, he'll remove every defect of character. He'll break every sin in your life. Let the power of the Holy Ghost fall. Let the power of the Holy Ghost, let the power of... Reach up and grab it. Holy Ghost, yes, now say this sincerely to the Lord say let the power up let the power let the power up fall fall on Anointing,
1: anointing fall on me anointing fall on me anointing fall
0: Right now, I want you to, right where you stand, begin to go into prayer. And I want you to begin to ask the Lord. See, Watch this now. This is why the Holy Spirit is not popular. Because when his presence comes in, sin must go. He, he, he will not sit comfortable with any defect of character. He's coming in like a bulldozer, but but he's also like a gentle surgeon. And he will pluck and pick and cut out everything that's holding you back from what God has for you to do. I want you right now to begin confessing sin. I can't wait to preach my next sermon next week to tell you what God wants you to do next. But for right now, begin to ask for his spirit in your life. Give him permission. That's the hard part. That's the hard, giving him permission. Because see, when he comes in, there's no control. You're no longer in control of your life. Your life is spirit-led, not flesh-led, but spirit-led. Not in your opinion-led. Not in tradition-led, but spirit-led when he comes in. Oh, yes, right there, right there, right there, Michelle. Right there, Michelle. Right there, yes. Oh, let's just raise that to the Lord. Make us
1: one, Lord. Make us one. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Make us one. Let your love flow, let your love flow, so the world will know we are one in you. Let's take it
0: up, take it up, Michelle, take it up one more time, make, make us one. Make us one, Lord, in our families. In our marriages, in our church, Holy
1: Spirit, make us one.
0: Make us one with You, Father.
1: Let Your love flow, so the world. Your love flow. Let your one more time. Let your love flow. Let your love flow. Let your love flow. So the world will know. We are one
0: in you. Father, first of all, I want to say today, as I preach to your people, I preach to myself. And I thank you for putting this word into my life first. You are calling me higher. Before I call my people higher, you got to call me higher, God. And I receive it today. I receive your spirit into my life, God. God, I I, I take this moment to say, God, whatever you have me to do. And Lord, you know I'm afraid because I know when your spirit moves, God, not only must things go, but you push us out of our comfort zone. I confess to you that I am afraid, God. I'm afraid of where you're going to take me and where you're taking this church, God. You know I've been through a lot. You know I'm going through a lot. You know my family has experienced a lot. But God, what I'm saying right now is I'm saying I want you to take it from me. I'm I'm, I'm saying you take control of my life in the name of Jesus. And God, I, I pray right now for every person in this place who feels like I feel. Just lift your hands towards heaven and just give God permission. He knows what he's doing. As hard as it is, he knows what he's doing. God, move in our lives. Whatever you want us to do, God, give us the courage to say yes. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Is there somebody today that wants to be baptized? Is there somebody that wants to be in the next baptism? Do you, do you want to give your life to Jesus? I may have overlooked you today. You may have come here for that, for that purpose. God may have brought you here. And you're saying, I need to give my life to the Lord. I need to repent. I need to be rebaptized." Are you here today? You might be in a real bad situation.